All right, everybody. Hope you guys are doing awesome. Uh, this is Casey Music Talk. Uh, don't forget my shameless plug to don't forget to like and subscribe on the channel. I really appreciate it. Uh, today we are here with a drummer, percussionist here in Kansas City, uh, Chris Neblin. How you doing? Hey, hey, good. Thanks for having me. Right yeah, now. no problem, man. Um, so I definitely would have met you at your guys' jam at Eclipse. Yes, I'm oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, God, seven years ago or something. Uh, yeah. Something like, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever yeah, it was. 2007, yeah. 2008, I think. Yeah, yeah that, that was a really fun jam. You had you had all three of you guys up there, and you guys usually got a bunch of pretty decent players. Yeah, yeah, Danielle had a, a lot of friends that were actually in the band that she was in before, uh, Trembled Underfoot, mm -hmm. and they would come out a lot, and they were all very experienced players, and when you get good players, it kind of draws other mm -hmm. players out, so to come out. But I was definitely lucky to have grown up in that environment because it was my first, Trembled Underfoot was my first band, so. Oh, really? Wow, yeah. I didn't know that, yeah. So, like, and I was always impressed uh, with with you specifically, with the other two as well, but uh, you, you just seem to never like play over everybody and you just kind of knew what to do sort of a, you know which is a huge compliment you know well, thank you. yeah so that that was it was always really easy to play with you guys you know well growing up in the you know our parents were musicians too so mm. you know we grew up around bands and rehearsals and you know just in that environment so it came naturally but I mean, there's a lot to learn too though you know again like i said playing with those other players and seeing you know drummers like greg schauberg was one that was really uh, influential early on and uh, just watching him perform, you know, and the mm -hmm. way he approached the songs. He's a very good drummer, and he's, he's, he works a lot in this town because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, talk, so talk a little bit about your, your parents, because when uh, Nick came on, you know, came on the show a couple months ago, and, and he told, told, told me all sorts of stuff about your dad playing and like right. that, I didn't, that I didn't know about you guys. Yeah, my mom and my dad were in bands <clears throat> growing up. Uh, you know, through my entire life, actually, my dad played guitar and sang. My mom was a singer, and uh, we—he didn't. My dad didn't really get into the blues scene until the late '80s. Uh, he played classic rock and country bands. That, you know, we grew up in Rich Hill, about an hour and a half south of the city, and uh, probably a lot more classic rock and country bands down there. Sure, than blues mm -hmm. bands. right, um, yeah. Uh, but uh, so, you know, growing up. Um, Playing down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the late '80s, my, my dad uh, moved up into up into Kansas City <clears throat> from. Uh, sorry, in the late '80s, we moved from uh, from mm -hmm. uh, Rich Hill up into Kansas City, and um, that's when he started, you know, jamming on the blues scene. My sister, and my brother, took it uh, took to it a little earlier than I did, um, so they started jamming with my father, and that's how we all got kind of into the blues scene, mm -hmm. you know, and then that's how we. You know, they, you know, started hanging out with the people that you know, we used to come out there with and stuff. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, so, so every, this has been again a theme on the show is pretty much all the heavy giggers that I've had on the show have all talked about music in the home. Every single one of them. You know, right, right. My mom was a vocal teacher, or my, you know, my mom taught piano, yada yada, or my dad was in a band, family situation. You know, um, did they, did they? force that on you guys or not at all or no. how, how did that go not at all we all kind of just came to it naturally <clears throat> my sister was actually into dancing and performance um like that kind of performance before long before she sang and my dad you know she kind of got into it in about 16 my brother took to guitar like 
twelve years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always say that he once he picked the guitar, we know never saw him again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's Basically. funny. Start playing, but uh, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, yeah, because that happens a lot. Where like I mean, you hear the the famous stories like Jackson Five. I mean, they were like, no, you're gonna do that, you know, and it was right, right. forced, but. And we heard, you know, other stories like yours where they didn't really force it and it ended up happening. Yeah, it's all sort of natural. Yeah. So with you, so you so you said Trample Underfoot was your first band. Like, how did you get started playing then? Um, again, it was just one of those things. I always wanted to play drums. I, I got my first drum set when I was 12, but my parents split up and I moved into an apartment building mm-hmm. for, I mean, four or five years, six years almost. And uh, so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't play drums. So I you know, tried bass and I was mm-hmm. a visual artist as well. Never really got mm-hmm. into that, um, but then when I moved back out of the apartment situation, I, I got a drum set immediately and mm-hmm. started playing. Turn that sister, down. Yeah, <laughs> and then my sister started. You know, she she gigged all the time at that point, so mm-hmm. she she'd be drummers. And my, my first gigs with her and the guy Walker Tippett at Winslow's Barbecue. I don't think mm-hmm. Winslow's is even around anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, but like when was that? Was that like late high school or, or, or after? Or yeah, like? it would have been probably two thousand, I think. Mm-hmm. 2000, maybe 1999 is when I Yeah, so you, you started fair, a little bit later than a lot of people, you know, a lot yeah, of people yeah. do that late elementary to high, or to middle schoolish age, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, so that's cool, man. Well, I mean, you definitely, like, I mean, you obviously picked it up pretty fast, <laughs> right? Well, again, like I said, again, the environment, you know, just being mm-hmm. around that, I, I know, um, just, you know, the language that you speak and the way that you know, musicians communicate songs to each other, and then that kind of stuff, just being around it, it just, you know, it just facilitated the, you know, I guess once you have the education, it's just a matter of getting it into your hands. Right, like right Education right. can be the part where a lot of people uh, miss out, you know. Oh, sure, yeah, because there's like, because you're right, there's the kind of technique part that you can't fake. I mean, you have to just go through the reps of, you know, like a diva, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you got to do that, but there's also a whole other, like, there's a whole nother deeper like ear level going on, and I think that's probably what you're meaning is yeah, that yeah. it was just around you, and you you can't you can't not hear that, right? Well, like I mean, a lot of people, like know. I notice a lot of people. I'm not, I'm not knocking anyone specific, but like I to this day I know people that have been playing longer than I have. You know, they have problems missing chord changes and, and structures, mm-hmm. and just not even not even you know getting the structure down mm-hmm. you know through, through the song, and mm-hmm. it's like it's just you know again an environment that I grew up in. I'm like I I hear I, I could hear that in my sleep. Like, Mm-hmm. I'm, right, I'm calling right. chords with a bass player. Yeah, yeah, you need to, you need to know <laughs> song. But I, sometimes I'm like, no, 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 four, four, four. four right? Five, yeah, five, yeah, five, yeah, five, yeah. I heard my my. I was in a band one time, and the drummer was doing. He's like four, you know, <laughs> freaking idiot, you know. Like he's yelling out to the bass player. He's like, I can hear this crap. Yeah. Um, what? So so one thing that we've been talking about a lot on the show is the idea of like. What, what I've coined like bands and then acts okay. and and so like in my opinion I think Kansas City has like 95% bands mm-hmm. and 5% acts right and right. and like Nashville is going to be completely opposite from that they have front men running around everywhere I mean, right, right, on the right. street with their <clears throat> stupid guitar you know mm-hmm. they can't even get a gig there's you know 8 million front men down there but I, I got the impression that I, I always kind of used you guys as an example in, in town of an act Right, with trampoline, you know, and like the and I, you know, and shtick is a really bad word. I don't mean that, you know, but everybody's kind of got to get a thing that is them. And and you guys kind of had the family band thing going on. And like, did did you guys?
guys feel that there was something that you guys had that a lot of other bands didn't in town? Um, well, one of the best guitar players, one of the best singers in town helped out a right, lot. Right, right. Um, yeah, that, you know, that, that, that does it a lot. Nick was a real, Nick's a real strong singer. Everything else is one of the best you're going to hear. And that is really, I've seen, a, I've, I've seen some rap bands get away with a lot with a good, strong <laughs> singer, you know. You're like, geez, oh, yeah, these, guys yeah. are, you know, these guys need some work, but the, the singer brings them in. Right, know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have, they have kind of a front person too, mm-hmm. which is a totally different animal. You know, people are good or uh, charismatic yeah, yeah. and good with the crowd and right, stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, because because what what I think everybody in town is well, not everybody, but a lot of people in town are trying to figure out how to get from that three four hundred dollar gig, you know. Go to bar to bar to bar to bar right, to bar right, to bar, right, yeah, right. and then how to get up into that next what I call kind of the next big tier is when you're, you know, kind of opening at some festivals. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not a huge band, but you're like, you're you're asking for like maybe, maybe like Flanagan's Right Hook might be in that next category where they they can kind of guarantee the thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, know, a thousand yeah. a gig or or bring in forty every show. You know, right, forty yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I, I've been trying to figure out what the formula there is, you know, and, and that's why I was kind of asking you that question of you guys, you know, I mean, the people that are now at a point where you can kind of accidentally go down to IBC right, and do, right, have right. these festivals and have this next, you know, do you, do you have any sense of that, at least with your band? Um, well, I don't know. I, you know, one, one thing I notice a lot of bands... Again, you know, it, you, you said it earlier, the difference between a band and an act. Mm-hmm. One thing a lot of bands do is they don't have, they don't like, they don't treat, you know, every song like a song. Like, you'll just start out with a guitar riff to bring the song into something to that effect. You know, classic rock bands, I think, are a little better about structures because they're playing other people's tunes that are actually structured, mm-hmm. you know, tunes, beginnings, intros, you know, endings, you know, sections, like rhythm sections or rhythmic sections, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, but but uh, are you talking about like them like taking a little bit more detail to their songs a little bit? Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, uh, sorry, uh, um, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, like, um, yeah, just making a tune a tune. Another thing is having original tunes that are mm-hmm. decent. You know, <laughs> anybody you can go anywhere and find you know find the uh, bands that play cover tunes and pretty good ones. You know, mm-hmm. but original music also helps. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like you said, too, about a charismatic front person, somebody you can actually talk to the audience and keep yeah. them engaged. Like, I can, you know, I can sing all night long, but I just would never be that person that, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> cut, up, cut up over the mic, you know. Oh, sure, yeah. You know? So. Yeah, yeah. man, I, I, I had, and that, that's what, because I, I keep saying on the show that I ran my own band for a little bit, you know, kind of a rock, jazzy, rock, funky kind of thing when I first got into town, but I was trying to be a front man, and I wasn't. You know, kind of what you were saying, right. and that was like, and I finally realized that I'm just not a front man. I'm I'm a violin soloer in a band that can sing back up and do, you know. But I'm uh, with my other buddy. It's kind of a Johnny Ed McMahon kind of thing. Yeah, but I'm not Johnny. <laughs> right, right. You right. Know, I'm, I'm Ed McMahon. You <laughs> right. know, I'm the second guy. I'm not the first guy. You know. Right. And so that that's that's maybe another thing of what I was trying to get at is is you guys have not even talking to the audience because. Um, but but just the charisma on stage of, of uh, Danielle and Nick, you know, it's mm-hmm. like I mean, 
it seemed like they were pretty good at that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah like I said, they, I mean, like, I think he got his, got into his first band when he was like 13. Mm -hmm. And from then, he's been interested in fronting it and being a, the, right. the, the, the solo guitar player, or the lead guitar player. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's yeah, very natural. And being able with her dance performance, you know, that probably helped a lot with her just being on stage and being oh, animated. Sure, yeah. and, and having to be around, you know, in front of people. And, and then, of course, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She's well, like, oh no, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, I think it was maybe even the first night I came to Eclipse, and we did Stormy Monday, mm -hmm. and I, I really like that song, and because uh, it's a little bit different of a blues song, but uh, <laughs> but uh, and she sang it, you know? <clears throat> and. And I got off stage and I'm like, oh man, that went really well. That was really fun. And some guy, I don't know who it was, he's like, yeah, because she could sing it. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's what he was telling me. He's like, that song sucks bad when oh, you know yeah. you have a terrible singer singing it. But she's like, she sang the crap out of it. You know, that was one of the. You know, he wasn't dogging me. He was just saying that that's right, you right, know right. like. You know, that's actually one of the worst moments in a like a live music setting. I was at a jam one time and this guy, poor young God bless him. He did Stormy Monday, and there were like 12 people on the stage, and he counted it at a snail's pace mm -hmm. tempo, and it was like nobody, half the band didn't even know the progression, and yeah, like, they're all trying to, he gets everybody a solo. <laughs> it's right, like right, 20 right, minutes yeah. of this tune, it's like, let it die. Yeah, let yeah. Die. <laughs> yeah, that, that, needs, that needs to happen. I mean, you got to get people up there that sort of can count stuff off, that have <laughs> like thought it out a little bit, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so... Was was there anything when you first started? Was there anything that was kind of tricky for you, or anything that you picked? I mean, you mentioned a little bit about hearing structures and stuff that was easy for you. Was there anything that was like kind of tough at first, or well, just the um, uh, just the, the the discipline of of learning your instrument, you know, early on. It was it was hard being in a band that's, that was gigging all of a sudden. It was my mm -hmm. first band. I didn't right. have three or four bands that mm -hmm. we you know we play you know we play every night and. You know, to, to get acclimated to it, so that was a little little difficult. But I studied a lot early on and tried and practiced a lot, so I was sure. able to, to keep up at least. You know, so the, the, yeah. the tunes didn't fall apart. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was you know that's it's hard, and and I wish I I wish I'd been in, involved in school a little more. But they wanted you to start out in xylophone and stuff, and it just I'd already been around bands, and, like I did not want to play xylophone. Sure. I was ready for a drum set. So <clears throat> I didn't want to play school of music. Or music in school, but uh, that's a good. That's a good discipline. That's a good mm -hmm. thing. To, a good uh, thing to have. <clears throat> what, what, so what is? So that's another interesting thing we've talked about a lot with the idea of of because I I came from uh, like training, like a lot of training. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, four hundred violin lessons in school and college, and you know, a degree and all that. But then I always talk with a lot of the blues and country guys who are all self-taught, right. you know. And so, what what do you think about that? I mean, you just kind of hit on it about, you know, them. You have to play xylophone, like so. So you really you didn't like that, huh? No, no, uh, no. No, but I learned to read. I learned to read notation and uh, mm. on my own. But I, I think most serious players, the ones that are you're going to find in, in you know touring bands and stuff like that, they're they're going to have a stronger um, background. The guitar, you can teach yourself, but you still have to understand the theory. Of, you know, mm -hmm. the, very rarely we find a guitar player that's actually working a lot. That's like, oh, I don't know, I just played this. Yeah, right, know? right. Like, no, no, that's a C major seven. Right, you know, it, they, it, they have yeah. to know the theory mm -hmm. and, and uh, all the intervals for the chords and stuff. So. 
Yeah, they, there's a lot of guys that know what know what they're doing, but they don't know what it's called, and they don't know the names of anything. Right. And I've heard horror stories of people in session like getting getting a ration of a guff from from the person you know that's in session, but they're like they're trying to explain a song, their song. They're like, no, I don't know what chord it is. It's just this thing. It's like what you're trying to. Mm, yeah, you got yeah. players out there. They're trying to follow you. You know, <laughs> these tunes. You can't even describe your music to them. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. yeah, and that that can that can be frustrating for somebody. Uh, just you know, yeah. my own experience. That can be you know, I, the the one that is me that makes me crazy is when people get like dynamics and tone mixed up. Because mm-hmm. really, what they're talking about, kind of the touch and the tone, or they're talking about the dynamics, but really, what they're talking about is tone. Okay. They call it dynamics, or <clears throat> they call dynamics. T- you know, it's right, that right, kind right, of right. stuff of the, the terminology. They get all mixed up because they, they don't know, you know, and I can't get mad at them for that. But so, so it sounds like it was just sort of getting thrown in and doing it was yeah. kind of yeah. yeah. The experience is the best. It's the best medicine for all of it, you know. Mm. Just the more, and that's one thing I've always thought about, like when I practice or whenever I try to work on something. It's just the more you do it, the better you do. And that's mm. actually one of the more it's one of the more honest things about a, a life in music. Is that it's not a it's not a, a situation where you're gonna work for somebody and you know you're gonna build a company but you're gonna make a salary and they're gonna get rich or something like that. Like the more you work, the more you'll get, and mm. the better you are if you pursue it, the better jobs you'll get. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's just the way it is, and you know there's a, there's some luck to it too. But you know a lot of people, if you're really serious, you got to move to one of the big towns to get a good mm. gig. You know. Yeah, right. I had a a, a buddy of mine that was. Ended up playing with Bonnie Raitt for years, and I heard the story was that he was a drum tech at a studio because he just wanted he moved to L.A. because he wanted to get with a big band. Mm-hmm. So he started drum teching, and they asked him to do a take one day, and he played "I Can't Make You Love Me" mm-hmm. on the biggest time, and then from there he had this career. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so that was that obviously, you know, right. Well, that see, that was two things. That was right place at right time. But you know what happened when he got on the drum set. Oh, he knew, right? He, that doesn't he knew, fall out he knew of the sky. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. They knew he could play too. They knew he was a good drummer. So <clears throat> we we've talked about that on the show a lot. That that's something the the kind of you know personal responsibility kind of stuff is something that fascinates me. Um, and because a lot of guys want the they want their success to be other people's fault, you know. Right, and, right, you know, right. and that's kind of what you're hinting at is that you know there's. It's so, so would you say that's sort of a half half and half type of a thing where, I mean, you do have to have a little bit of luck. Yeah, definitely. There, I know guys that work hard and they get you know, decent gigs and they end up not working out or, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's, there's a lot of luck to it. But I think that, um, well, I forget where it comes from, but I heard, I read it somewhere once that luck is opportunity meets preparedness. Yeah. So you just, you've got to put quote. yourself, like I said, if you move to LA, you know, you're going to put yourself in a situation where it can happen. Yeah, you know, right. you know, how many big, you know, how many big touring acts are coming out of Kansas City? Not many. No, yeah, right, sure. But you know, you've got all the big bands that live in LA, so you know, you'd move there, and then that, and then you have to back it up mm-hmm. <laughs> with a good reputation and right, and uh, good skills. Yeah, yeah, and we've talked about reputation a lot too. Is is that uh, I've heard so many guys see how many great players there are out there. But then, you know, their their attitude's a wet mop, you know, mm-hmm. or they, oh, you yeah. know, they won't answer the phone, or they're flaky, <laughs> or, you know, uh, and that, I, I would I would guess that that would be one advantage of, in a way, of uh, 
trampled underfoot or you doing the family band. I mean, there'd be other, you know, I'm sure there's other, you know, people harping at, you know, <laughs> they're harping at each other in a different way. But I, I would think that, you know, you, you're, you're probably going to see the guitar player again. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So, so there's not that, you know, is, is he going to show up ever again, right? I mean, right, right, right. No, it was definitely, uh, there was a lot that was, would, I guess would be easy to take for granted, you know, for, you know, in another, another situation, <clears throat> for sure. But, uh, you know, one of the things that was really odd about the, the, the band is when they started doing well, we weren't in business. You know, we didn't know anything about business. We were, being, mm. we were musicians in a band. Right. If you're going to have a band, then you're going to actually try to do something that's a business. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to think about that mentality. We ended up, I didn't end up having to do like weekly inventory for the shirts and, and CDs and stuff. Yeah. You know, we'd go out on a week and a half run and we would only have 30 CDs. Mm-hmm. And we had to play two festivals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, all of a sudden those elements start to fall in place and you have to either learn it or, you know, don't do it. Or like you said, re- reply to people. You mm-hmm. know, all of a sudden you have a, we have an online store where people are wanting to buy product. A lot of times people don't answer the phone, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't see those opportunities. So how did you guys deal with that? I mean, did you three do it, or did you, did yeah, you find some other family or a manager or something? Like, how did you handle all of that? Initially, through the bulk of it, we, we did it ourselves. We just mm-hmm. divvied up the duties and, and, and did it that way. And then uh, we had a manager towards the end, and then you know, the booking agents helped with the booking side. Sure, right. right. Which is a big part. <laughs> we, we, yeah. We've talked about that on the show, Crapload too, is the whole business side of music that everybody just hates. Yeah. You know. No, like I said, you're if you're gonna run a band, you're running a business. And, right. And yeah. not only now not only now do you have to do the music side of it, but you have to do the business side of it too. Right. Well these guys will come up and show one of their CDs, like two or three songs, and they end up you know, they're accountants and they're their inventory clerks and you know, there are all these other roles and then they yeah, have to right. sit down and write a song at the end of the day. Ugh, yeah. Exhausted. Yeah, right, right, yeah. yeah. That that's that that's something that I've also been fascinated by because it's so annoying and it, because none of us are good at it. Right. Some of us are good at it, but not very many. And, and that's, uh, that would be one of the top three things I think why bands break up is because they don't think about how we're bringing the people, how are we advertising? Right. Are we going to get shirts? Right. Who the hell's doing all that? Yeah. You know, like, well, like how many, you know, how, what percentage of your t-shirt sales are large shirts? How many, how many do you buy? You know, the first time the first time we went out, I bought twenty five of every kind. I had twenty five three XLs forever. Yeah, you know? that's and, funny. Like, yeah, yeah. and then I started looking at the numbers. I'm like, oh, well, about fifty percent of what we sell are large, are large black tees. Yeah. So boom, and then you know, then, then all of a sudden those things kind of fall in place. Yeah, the sure, first yeah. T-shirt, I swear, we probably still somewhere there's three XLs of those. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. They're like, I would just buy twenty five of each. Yeah, 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 yeah. How how would you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? As as a musician, we don't know about that crap. Yeah. So, yeah. Actually, it was kind of funny when I was I was going to school for uh, uh, automotive uh, mechanics actually, and it, so since it's an associate's of applied science, I had a uh, had to take business classes, mm-hmm. and that was kind of a weird thing that I was going through right when we first were discussing the band. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, those those pieces kind of fell into place as well. Oh yeah, well that meant to be. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, taxes is a whole other boring subject that we won't get into, but that's, <laughs> yeah. but, but like, it's super important, mm-hmm. you know? One yeah. thing that that guy down there did to me was he goes, so how much did you make last year? And I go, well, I, uh, I don't know, you know? And yeah. he's like, well, yeah, it's not that it's low or high. It's like, how much was it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. you didn't write it down. You didn't make your little spreadsheet, and yeah. the, you know, like, and that's stuff that we just don't want to do, but, yeah. you know? 
you, you're putting all this effort in and then you get to the end of the year and you're like, wow, that was, that was only four grand. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's something, it's not zero, but it's right, like, right, wow, right. I did a lot of work for four grand. Yeah, you know, like, I can work less, like work quite as hard. Right. Yeah. Or use your time more wisely. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, four grand's not nothing as an example, you know, but, you know, that's a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of work for, you know. <laughs> yeah, a lot of cold, cold gloves. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Um, so, so talk to me a little bit about, uh, like, drumming and sp- specifically. Is there, is there something that, that you've watched, because of, because the show is, is a lot for these kind of 20-ish year olds that are starting into this kind of gigging scene. Do you have any things that you've seen younger drummers do or, or drummers that are kind of not quite getting it or great drummers or like, you know, talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, one thing I think is important for drummers specifically is I see it like the singer standing on my shoulder. So when, like when I move, we're moving through a song, you have to be deliberate, you have to be calm, you know, no sharp movements. It's kind of like driving to, you don't grab the wheel and go like this to a song, you don't speed up, slow down. Um, but you've got this person standing on your shoulder. And you, in that way, it's kind of that, when you're playing with somebody, it's kind of that level of communication. Not unless you're making eye contact, but mm-hmm. like, I have my arm against your arm. We can feel each other's, you know, what we're yeah. doing, you know, how we're moving. So I got this person on my shoulders, and they're the ones that need, this. the voice needs to be the loudest, and they're the ones that need to communicate to the audience. They're, you know, they're the ones talking to the audience. So <clears throat> I think of some players, um, Treat it like they're the one, like they're part of that role. You know, they're mm-hmm. like they, they need to yeah. be. They're they're part of the stardom and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, knowing your role on stage as a drummer is very important. Mm-hmm. It's the way that you're going to get a lot of gigs and it's probably playing about eighty percent less of the stuff that you want to play or that you practice or that you worked on. You know, but I think about it like that. You know, you you move with the person. You know, and you're you're going to be calm. They are, they obviously want to go a certain direction, so we can go this way, or maybe I something, some condition. I'm going this way for some reason, and you know we all have to move together. <coughs> um, that's one thing I think about a lot when mm-hmm. I'm playing. You know. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned the you're up against them thing. I've never heard anybody say that before, but I mean the the obvious metaphor is dancing. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of moving together, mm-hmm. um, but it like. Because I totally agree with you. You've got to set that kind of foundation, but like it's so. Because I always think of it, bass and drums, like the offensive line or something. When you're not there, I mean, it sucks. Right. You right. Know? I mean, yeah. When the drummer and bass player, especially bass player, it sucks. It's. I mean, everything sucks. But then when you get off the stage, you know, they're all like, "Oh, lead singer," you know. Every you guys oh, yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. get any, you know, get any credit or whatever. And, right. Right. You know. Well, you know, wham, wham, a little bit, but you know, it's like, uh, but like, so, and you mentioned a little bit about guys playing too much, mm-hmm. your 80% comment, you know, like the, well, I had a, a defining moment, one of the defining moments in my later, in the later part of my uh, <coughs> drumming career, we were in the studio and we were with this producer and we, you know, did the first couple of tracks and first couple of takes, the first couple of tracks and he's like, hold on a second, comes in. He's like, hey man, just you know, just do it like this, play it just like this, you know, do 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 just just do that. I was like, okay. And so we do a couple more takes. He stops the session again. He's like, go home tonight and listen to the radio. Like, just listen to the way those songs are performed. Like, because I know like 
at the time, you know, you, you try to think you're, you're going to bring some flavor to it. But reality, like to circle back to what I said earlier, you have a role. It's like I have, you know, I'm this role in this, you know, in this situation. Mm-hmm. So if I'm trying to do this, then this not only is this not getting covered, this doesn't work, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So and that and um, I I didn't you know I, I uh, that really just kind of it, it hit me that that's the role you know doing things patterns and and that's the education in it. And when you listen to radio, it's not like what a lot of people do. You know, they don't fills every four measures mm-hmm. and, and all this stuff and sometimes you know i get i get uh i'm still a perpetrator of it sometimes you know the jams but it's a little looser like you know when i'm actually on a band situation you know i find my i try hard just to make it sound like a recording mm-hmm. like the way i would play in the studio yeah you know with the dynamics with the crashes with fills in the right spots you know going you mm-hmm. know in, in the elevated parts of the song right that's interesting that what he didn't tell you was go listen to some Neil Peart from Rush. Right, right. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, exactly. what he told you was go listen to the radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah and listen I, to, turn on the radio and listen to one of those tunes. And it's not... Simple and solid. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of... We've talked about the different genres a lot on a lot of these shows, too, and how I think that's with country especially, and I think blues is in that category, is that when you get over to jazz, you can do all sorts of stuff, and it's like, and everybody wants you to, and it right, sounds right, good. Right. But as soon as you get back over to like country, for example, those jazz drummers are like, this sucks. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, and that's the, the, the kind of discipline of you have to stay there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you have to do literally this, and that's what you need. That's what the song needs. Yeah. And, I mean, I mean, blues is kind of similar to that, right? It's not yeah. supposed to be insanely complicated, right? Definitely, definitely. And some of the, um, I had this guy tell me a story one time about Sam Lay. He hung out in Chicago and he walked into a club one time and, and um, he said the band was it was awesome. He was doing a slow blues. It was, you know, it, it, the band was pumping. And Sam Lay was just leaning back against the wall and just hitting the snare on the two and the four. And he said you almost didn't even miss anything. I mean, just like the placement in the, in the That's you, funny. Know, you know, boiling it down. Um, uh, what signing autographs and these? Like, <laughs> no, I just just, just leaning as well. Drinking. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that pro- that drives me nuts with the fills. We talked about that on the show a lot too. With uh, in our country band, we had three of us. It was like a, a lead guitar, steel, and me all filling right after the vocals. Right, vocal, right. vocal, fill, vocal, vocal, <laughs> fill. And then when I'd have the drummer and the bass player and the rhythm guitar player all trying to do some stupid little thing right there, now there's six of us. Well, you rhythmically, know, filling you know, right in that stupid little spot, and you know, drums can rub rhythmically, but you know, the lead instruments they can rub with the notes too. So now all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. You're, you're every time somebody plays, you're boxed into something else, and mm-hmm. it's like, wait, wait, uh, <laughs> it's taking me in a different place. Yeah, that's funny. Is so like, so you'd say that you know playing too much or whatever. Is there is there anything else that, that you've noticed other drummers do that too loud? Is too another loud, common yeah. common offender? Um, I, I was reading this article. It's, I can't remember the magazine. It was years ago. It was a music magazine, and it showed this. Basically, it was just, I was just flipping through it, and they showed this hierarchy of levels for like recording, like like mm. where the what are the levels. Like out of one in a hundred, you know, the vocals are here, the snare drum here, and then it, it kind of showed all the other instruments and where that, you know, where those levels are supposed to be. Like volume-wise? Yeah, 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 exactly, oh. exactly. 
snare right under vocal. Yes, dude. vocal, snare, and then everything else wow. like down here. And that's, that's interesting. Yeah, and that's basically where it's at. And like you notice, it doesn't say toms. You know, mm. <laughs> you know, as you're filling through. No, no, no we'll keep them quiet. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So you you know I, I you know keep that in mind. You know, snare's got to be loud and present, but the rest of the drum set doesn't have to be. And this China is symbol wasn't too. No, 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 no. <laughs> Those can be so good or so bad. <laughs> no, that's. I used to love watching Go-Go play. He'd set, his, mm -hmm. he'd set two of them up, and he wouldn't hit them except for maybe one time a yeah, night. Yeah, I'm like, that's how you use yeah, China. That's one funny. moment was like, here we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, there's some guys get out there and start beating the heck out of them. Mm -hmm. it's, it's obnoxious. Yeah, Go-Go had an you know, interview on the show. It went really good. He's a great drummer, man. Oh, he's uh, one of my favorite and probably the best I've ever seen live. Oh, yeah. Like, technically speaking, yeah. He'll, he'll like, like, he, he thinks what he's doing before he does it so you know he'll you know like i mean he, he, know, he knows exactly what he's about ready to do and he's just like screwing with you the whole time it's so easy oh yeah, he's yeah. practiced so much and he, he can think through you know i don't know he, he cracks me up i um, like to watch him when he plays he'll uh he'll he's, he's gonna start playing when he gets ready to do the next one he's like oh, this like i'm like oh here he goes here he goes yeah, <laughs> he's like he'll like, situate get himself square be like give himself a problem kid yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, man. And so, so yeah, I don't. And there's a lot of guys too that I've noticed drummer-wise that will not be able to hear straight and swung. Right. That that drives me nuts too. Like, in, this, yeah. in this town, you're not gonna get a gig like unless you mm -hmm. can get that. Mm -hmm. I, oh my lord, yeah. You mean da 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 da? da <laughs> no, <laughs> you know. Like, I don't know. That that always cracked me up at jams when they'd call some. You know, they'd call some tune and. The dude's never played a shuffle. Like, no, that's that's funny too. You see these, you know, you know the classic rock guys will come in and call it a quick shuffle. And they're talking, I used to go do that to do. They're like, yeah, <laughs> puffing and puffing. Yeah, that's I, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, it's I mean that's like walking bass for a bass. I mean, it's like one of the I don't know top four things you do. Yeah, yeah. On everything, I mean, country, blues, rock, jazz. Yeah, I mean, and. What what would be your guys's kind of big three or four things that you that all drummers have to know? Uh, good straight eight beat, which is just mm -hmm. um, keep that nice and tight and solid. Uh, a, a good shuffle, slow blues, and I like uh, uh, just a simple kind of rumbo Latin. I, right. I know I have three or four different variations that I do, but yeah. just something like that. Right. You can get through most gigs and play with four. Sure. I mean, even at the blues jams, they'll call a, like a cha-cha kind of thing, mm -hmm. so yeah, a yeah. Latin-y yeah, something yeah. or other, yeah. Mm -hmm. for, for, and that, this is another one that I, I find fascinating about drummers, is what, what do you think the key is to those slow blues? Because you guys get to go kind of go on the shuffles and the funks and the, you know, the straight eight rock kind of stuff. What, mm -hmm. what do you think the key is to all those slow ones for a drummer? I, my, what I do is I keep the meter here, and just but this has to be pretty far back in the beat mm -hmm. I keep you know keep the, the kick drum probably pretty close to the one and the three but um, but yeah the snare's got to be way laid back it's mm -hmm. gonna be, sure. I mean, sometimes I'll even like go like if I'm feeling a little tight I'll even go through the motion like wind up and hit it instead of going bap you know mm -hmm. I'll go ah crap or take a nice deep breath if I'm hitting you know breathe out while I'm swinging so I don't mm -hmm. get all <laughs> get right. 
Is that is that's to kind of calm yourself down a yeah, little yeah, bit? Just, or just, yeah, or just yeah, just calm the just calm the motion. You know, mm-hmm. I don't really get nervous anymore, but just just yeah, calm the movement. You know, mm-hmm. just a nice slow exhale. Yeah, do you think, so on those slow ones, I'd bet the typical thing would be to speed up, right? Yeah, Not the, to, the tempo, slow. I think, I, I, I notice a lot more tempo issues with, with the slow ones. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but, interesting, and like, and so, do you find any difference with the amount of playing? Like, you were talking about too many fills, and too many, is there a different problem with the slow ones than the medium stuff, or? You know, the slow ones usually have scorching guitar solos. They're, they're, they're usually ones that they build up, you know, yeah. a lot more uh, emotional, um, emotional, a lot, a lot more emotional moments in the song. <clears throat> so, you know, I think that it's, I see less opportunity probably to fill, like a funk song, mm-hmm. drummers, that's probably one that you're going to be more active on, you know, as far as filling and, and yeah. really getting into it. But a slow blues, I mean, you're going to focus a lot more on dynamics, you know, building a song, and then the way that because the way the guitar player subdivides, there's really not much else to do unless mm. you're unless you're doing it with him or right. You know, sometimes if a guitar player repeats something two times, then that's kind of my cue to say, okay, well now you're making this concept, uh-huh. so we can we can add to that. You know, right? I'll hit it with you next time, or maybe I'll do something mm. complimentary or counter hit or something like that. Sure. Yeah, I've heard that a lot too. That because some jazz guys get really into that kind of stuff of the reading of the soloer and and so I've I've heard different things. I've heard guys that really like to do that. Mm-hmm. Like when like you said, some guy does a, a ditty twice, and you can just feel that he's gonna do it that third time. So I'm gonna bow 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 with it yeah, or yeah. whatever. But I've heard a lot of guys. Some other guys have said too that. There's some drummers that just do that the whole gig. No, you got you can't you know fall I mean? up there. You can't get up the butt. You know you gotta right. you know, just keep it loose. But yeah, but, yeah. But they they're re, they're they're mirroring and reacting to the whole show. Right. You know, and they're right. doing and they're doing it like not on literally every riff, but every single solo they're doing that four times or something. Yeah. And yeah. like yeah, and uh, it can probably get too much with that I call too, it hit right? City. Hit City. It's just hit City. Hits, hits all over. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, just play through it. <laughs> mm, right. Like, probably triplets would be an example. You go, 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 and then you can tell somebody's dean, damn, dean, dean, bam, 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 yeah, yeah, bam, yeah. bam, and then the drum, eh, da, 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 you know. Mm. But again, you know, that would be a, out of a, would it be like a 16 measure grouping? You would, you, the drummer would play the last four sure. you know, with them, or the last four beats, or the last two measures with them, you know. Mm. Yeah, okay. That's cool. Um, so, like, uh, so with the Kansas City scene here, because this shows a little bit about the, can- you know, everybody in Kansas City. Uh, how has, uh, I mean, Kansas City for you? They've, they've obviously, you know, embraced your family real yes. hard, and you've gotten a lot of a lot of love here, you know, and whatever. Can you talk a little bit about our our scene we got going on here. You know, uh, traveling a lot. One of the first things I notice is the bar is very high here. You know, even some of the people that we would think are knuckleheads on the scene would run the roost in some of these other cities. Really? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, the bar is wow. really high, and the, the the level of t- songs that, that that can be performed at most Kansas City jams are it's not like that in most places. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Kansas City is a very strong uh, food and music town, which is why I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so many freaking restaurants here. Oh, the good ones too. It's got an identity. Yeah. It's a lot of you know a lot of cities don't have. Food identity, you know, we got mm-hmm. the barbecue and yeah. 
like that. Um, but the scene, it's it's educated, and I, I like swing music, so mm, yeah. I'll put me in here. No, sure. But you, so, and, and because I would think, and I always use like Cincinnati or something as an example of another kind of biggish town that probably doesn't have our music scene. Right, you know, right. ran, yeah, yeah. Random, <clears throat> random other towns like that one. Um, uh, so, so you, cause, because you're talking about us getting a little bit, uh, not complacent, what's the word, uh, but taking for granted some right. of the talent we have here, huh? And it, it, so you think some other towns, when we hear, you know, somebody like a Dave Hayes or somebody like right, that, you right, know, right. where no, we're that, like, yeah. I hear them all day, but then you go to another place and it's like, oh, these guys suck, you know? You go to like, IBC too, yeah. like half those bands, like, oh, this is our, this is the champion guy. Yeah, you know, we're town. sending them in, you're like, dude, this guy stinks. Yeah. <laughs> That's your best day yeah, right. <laughs> I could get I could get six random jammers, you know, random decent <laughs> yeah, yeah. jammers from you know, and they never played the tune before. They never yeah. they shred it. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I get the impression that a lot of guys in Kansas City are what I call studio guys, and not like the Nashville guys. But you you get them up there, and they can pretty much handle any blues you need. Yeah, you know, and that's yeah. the entire jam scene. But I mean, really, the entire scene. Period. But. Um, but like you just said, you know, that that's the thing that we're really good at. We're a jam town. I'd bet that Nashville is not a jam town kind of like that. They're kind of more planned out structure. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's recording stuff, you know. Right, right. But here, everybody sit. I mean, everybody sits in on each other's shows here, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a common thing that, well, you can bring your guitar, but you leave it in the car. You know, <laughs> you know, it seems like it's a given thing. Yeah, right, Usually right. they're going to ask you to play. Yeah. You know, they'll ask you to sit in for sure. Yeah. Because didn't you guys do sort of a, you know, sort of kind of an invite-only thing at BB's for a bit? Or I, I heard yeah, something yeah. like that? Well, basically, know? we did, we've always loved jamming with people. We've always treated our gigs like that and always kind of a, we'd get most people up. But the problem is we, we'd run into that some of the jam, people that come out to the open mic jams would come out to BB's and try to jam. Mm. It's like, dude, we've had, we've had uh, situations with club artists say, get him off the stage now because yeah. people are leaving. Yeah. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And it's sad, but it's, mm -hmm. it's the reality. So we had to kind of control that because, you know, everybody wants to play. And, sure. And not everybody can, you know, not everybody's fit to play in front of 200 people at BB's mm -hmm. on a Friday night, you mm -hmm. know? <laughs> yeah, that, I was about ready to say that. I mean, like, yeah, they, they of course want to play your crowd yeah, yeah you know 200 people BBs, you know like and yeah I've, I've thought about that a lot with the, with the open jams and and the the idea of you know, who should you know and, and this is where I, I you know I don't know if I've gotten in any trouble but where I'm getting a disagreement from a lot of people is who you know who should who should be up at that jam? You know, right, any right. of them. You know, I mean, is there a baseline of ability? You know, is, well, there's, it's, there's needs a, to be low, but is there a baseline? And anybody below that needs to like go home and track. I, you know, that's well, my there's opinion. definitely a, a cumulative number. You know, you've got to yeah. have so many points in order for a song to pull off. And like maybe you've got a ten and an eight, and then a three to two, <laughs> but you still have to have a certain, you know, a certain amount. There's def definitely an art to running a jam. You know, it's it's uh, you call them a two. <laughs> well, some, but there's somebody out there. Uh, they're not as far along. They just they're just not as far along. But um, um, maybe they maybe they were maybe they were like you. Like I started like a week ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Thrown yeah. into a band, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. like well, 
But you know, yeah, you can have like maybe somebody that's singing for their first time, but you don't want to put them with somebody who's playing drums for their first time. Oh right, yeah. Get them to do. But uh, no, my my sister was always really good at that is putting together groups that could because you want them to sound good. Sure. You know, and everybody yeah. wants to have fun and play, and nobody, you know, you don't want like Pato, God bless him, some nights on mm-hmm. the PBC or uh, the Saloon, he's yeah. up there all night long. But you don't want to keep one guy there all night long. You know, you want to change people up. You yeah. If you can, and no yeah. bass players show up, you know. Hey, I'm, one, I'm, one, I'm, I'm a friendly guy. I've got a lot of drummer friends, and yeah, I have sure. a nice drum set, so I get I get quite a few drummers out. It's unlucky oh, sure. on that. I'm lucky on that. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, yeah, and and I know that you know you've got to you you've got to give you've got to understand that everybody has their first time, and they suck, yeah. and everybody sucks. You know, I mean, they, and so I I get that. You know, I get that all of us that are a little bit more, you know, you know, veterans of you know, even as young as we are, you know, I mean, you guys are veterans. You've done a lot of playing already. And and and, and so, you know, we, we all understand that you got to kind of get up there and suck a little bit, you know, and yeah, have yeah. your first 10 jams or more or less, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. You get it, you know, <laughs> I mean, the, the, oh, there's the, some that like, oh, my Lord, I was. There's, there's a couple of jammers that would come out all the time. It would be ridiculous. They're not very good. God bless them. They're not very good. Nate, good. come on. I want to hear and it. Then they, no, and then they <laughs> pull me aside and tell me I'd have to get my, you know, learn my tunes and stuff. I'm like, dude, you are you are a piece of work. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> piece yeah. of work. You come up here, stink yeah, yeah. up the joint, and then lecture everybody about, about yeah. their abilities. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's a give and take. And, uh, and that was, I mean, that was nice. I mean, I'm sure with you guys, you guys were all three, you know, very good players in, in Trample Under Foot anyways. And like, and it's, I mean, you get to a point where you don't, at least in a band sense, you you kind of accidentally don't have to really deal with that anymore, you know? Cause, right, Because yeah, right. before the band starts or first rehearsal, you, you can kind of come in. Because I'm always trying to figure out what's the solution to that. You know, what's a, a and at a jam setting, well, you know, house band is kind of there to police that a little bit, yeah, but yeah. it's a jam, you know, but in bands, um, how do you deal with that? And the, the solution I've come to is you, you find like-minded. Yeah. That's the solution. And I hate yeah. that. I hate that crap. No, I, I, you know, it's I, funny because I always, I always think that it, it's hilarious how little the music business has, has to do with actually music and mm-hmm. its personalities. And you're, you're playing right. people. Man, you could be the best drummer on the planet, but if you don't click with anybody, you're not, you know. Right. Because it's a lot of hours in the van. It's a lot of mm. communication, you know, and it's art. So people are personal. It, it's a personal. You're communicating about their about them personally, you know. Mm-hmm. So people are typically a little more sensitive in that in those areas. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to deal with in that department for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's probably that's that's probably very like you just said. It's it's just like the business side. I mean, it's it's very 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 important. Mm-hmm. How many how many good guitar players are there here in town? Or good drummers. I mean, well, crap load. But right. Yeah. Put yeah. Put them in a band for right now. Right. Right. Some yeah, of them might right. kill each other. Right. I was sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why that guy is out at jams all day. You know, yeah, like yeah. you know, because he's he's you know, sure. You know. We said something earlier too that I, I, I thought of. Um, a lot of you, you can get some frustrated players out to jams too, though. That you know, people that are looking for gigs go out there. Mm-hmm, so, sure. So certain certain uh, some of them are like that, and they get frustrated because. They don't sound good because they're with a jammer, but great jam, dude. Uh, yeah, right. You yeah. know, it's one in five. You're gonna get a great jam, mm-hmm. really. Probably one in three, one in five jams, depending on 
<laughs> you get up whether you come with me. Right, right, right. Yeah, and and that's and yeah. So that that's that's what I've been. I mean, that's probably taken me, and I still haven't really, you know, accepted it. And here, you know, it's like I I you know mentally understand that you can't, you just can't force other people and you can't make them get better and you can't make them practice so (laughs) what and it's taken me 15 years to like literally accept that that the solution is you go find you it it just feels like giving up you know when not going to talk to that guy and see you know hey you know this is great you know but you know how about this jam we kind of do 40 percent shuffles and you didn't know how to do a shuffle you know yeah yeah, it's great that you came out but you know maybe yeah maybe next time you know well, Paul, I, Paul you know, Greenlease could go, you know, I think he would have enough muscle in town and enough respect to go up to that guy really, really, really nicely. Oh, yeah. And say that. Well, most people, are, I think, are inclined know. that they're, they're, they're passionate about music. Most people are inclined to talk about it. I, yeah, some people get, they get sensitive, but I think it's completely appropriate to, to do something like that, you know? Yeah. Say, hey, dude, uh, why don't you check this tune out? Dude, that last one we did was a lot like this, so if we do it again... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can word it however you want. Right, right, right. <laughs> and that would be a good way to word it. You know, that'd yeah. be a not, you know, your piece of crap, you know, kind of way to word it. <laughs> you can learn it. Learn your crap. Well, I know. <laughs> what you want to say, no. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've tried to figure that out a little bit recently and how to say stuff to people. And sometimes you say it and it doesn't matter. You know, they're going to get pissed. Right, no matter how right. you say it and there's nothing you can do. But Well, yeah, I think more often than not, those kinds of people are going to be the people that you're going to see over, you know, over a 15-year period and they're going to sound and play just exactly the same way they mm-hmm. did 15 years ago they're not really looking for education they're looking to right. themselves you know because they're probably already there and done with it. oh yeah yeah <laughs> that, they're the dude you were talking about right yeah, yeah. they're they're stinking up the place and then they come up to you like how come you didn't you know like, yeah you learn those hits I'm like you need yeah. to call out tunes people know and you need to go home and work on your vocals <laughs> <laughs> sorry wait no i mean uh good to see you again yeah, yeah good oh i mean good to see you no just kidding yeah that's funny man yeah, I mean, yeah. As a teacher, I'm fascinated by that about how to say it to them. But really, what I'm talking about is if you say it to them, yeah, say, yeah. you know, if you even need, if this is even worth saying right now, right. and and so I have started to figure out that sometimes it's just, you know, this isn't going to do anything right now, and I need to just go to find another band, right? Or right. you know, in a, at least in a band setting. Well, and you know, if you have a jam, um, a lot of people. It's more. It's, it can be a regional thing. So maybe going to another jam. If you if you right. if you're going to one jam, you're repeatedly frustrated with these players. They keep showing up, and you go to another jam, and maybe it'll, it'll be a little better. No, sure. Yeah, and there's <laughs> a lot of them in town. I mean, there's there's. You want that's another thing you don't find anywhere. Else. Eight blues jams in town, yeah, maybe yeah. at least. Yeah. You know, yeah. One every night, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Usually. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so we're probably uh, close to wrapping up here. Tell me. Uh, Tell me that uh, that one gig you were talking about. You're talking. Oh, the, yeah, the, the, the it's, it was the weirdest gig. Um, we were uh, it was over in Sierra, Switzerland, mm. and it was just it, it's a weekend. It was one performance on Saturday evening, mm. which is just weird to go all the way over there and go through all of this just for one right. ninety minute. It's not even a sixty minute set. Um, we were opening up for the Fabulous Thunderbirds. So we, we, Friday or Thursday night or whatever, we leave and head over to Europe. And so we get there, we're already all wiped out. Um, end up going on this long tour, play the festival. We're getting ready to leave in the van, we have to leave. It's like a six, five, six hour drive to the airport in uh, Zurich, I believe. And we have to leave at like 3.30 in the morning. So we're just completely mm-hmm. wiped out. We're finally starting to get acclimated to Switzerland time. We're getting ready to go yeah, back you know, uh, to, to the United States. 
and we have a five-hour drive. We have to get up at three thirty away for this shuttle, and it's always you never just get up and walk right into the shuttle and lay back down. You have to sit there in the lobby and wait yeah, for right. twenty minutes for right. him to show up. We were waiting for this guy to show up. Well, it turns out it was Kim Wilson from Fabulous Thunderbird. He was mm-hmm. catching the same flight that we were back to the states. So we get in this van, and uh, he actually jumped in first and took the bench in the back. And he's like, "Give it to the old man," and, and ran back there and laid down. And we get underway, and we get on the highway, and this driver turns on uh, Abbott Greatest Hits. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's probably got the stereo at fifty percent volume when we start this whole right. five-hour ordeal. So we're all trying to sleep, we're all wiped out, and um, he just keeps letting the CD cycle over this five-hour drive. And it, it's at, at some point, each one of us had woken up and asked him to turn it down. He turns it down a little notch, you know, maybe a little right. bit. We maybe got him to turn it down halfway throughout the whole five and a half, six-hour ordeal. But none of us got any sleep. And of course, the airport was packed. It was just, mm. it was a surreal 72 hours. Right. And we get back, and I'm sitting there at my house like, what just happened? Oh, sure. <laughs> so you, you had like your whatever, 12 hour flight over there yeah, yeah and then you had hardly any well that's another thing you, you know you really people don't realize about these gigs is we go you fly over three four flights over to zurich and then you get in a van and drive for five hours to the right festival. yeah wow yeah that's yeah <laughs> quit 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 name dropping a european towns i've been to yeah well you know <laughs> the time we're in barcelona no. different spanish yeah 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 that's funny though. I mean, I know I've heard a lot of comedians talk about the the downtime of being a comedian. Mm-hmm. You know, where they're like everybody sees the the lights and the you know you're everybody's oh, yeah, giving you drinks. Yeah. yeah, everybody's giving you drinks and the, you know and the chicks and all this stuff, and then they don't see them at the hotel room. <laughs> you know, at, at two, yeah, at two thirty in the morning, you know, eating Skittles. You know, at, 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 you know, because there's nothing open and right, right, you know. Did you get how how many times did you guys play in Europe? So, uh, many. Um, oh, I mean, we went over there at least two or three times a year for yeah, wow. know, six seven years. Yeah, we played That's Norway a lot. We had one or two tours in Norway every year after wow. two thousand eight, which was pretty cool. To be able how was the appreciation over there? Like insane? It's or great. Yeah. It's strong. Wow. It's really strong, especially in Norway. Especially in Norway. Wow, that's that's really cool, man. I mean, that's. It's not surprising because definitely Europe has been very, you know, pro music for hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, through the classical era and all, and obviously that's you know kept as a culture thing over there, mm-hmm. a little bit different from here. We love music here, but you know, people they're a lot more excited about it. And something else I realize is that it's not our music, so they're it's something they don't have there. You know, that's even true. The, yeah. you know, people that even the, the the bands that try to do it, I mean, they they just can't. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of guys. I heard uh, uh, Matt Hopper. I don't know if you know him, but a guitar player here in town, and he went down to Brazil, and he was talking about that they all wanted to play swing. You know, he right, went right. to like a Brazilian jam basically, and they were like, "No, come on, swing." He's like, "Oh no, man." He want to do the yeah. He want to do bossa. Yeah, yeah. And then you know he play blues too. Right. I mean, he he listens to him play play swing, and it's good. I mean, they're all good players, but it's not it's not even like like average or decent average good Kansas City guys right, you know right, it's like right, medium right. swing like we tear the crap out of that okay, here yeah. like that's our thing you know is our kind of tempo and and but but then you know he had them and the, you know come on let's play a samba and they're like okay you know and it's just yes. freaking and it's just freaking cloud you know he's like I can't even like 
I can't even deal with this right now. Like, you guys are playing on a cloud and shit. I mean, it's so good, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rhythm is just smooth. It's just smooth as butter. And, like, you know, I don't know. That was... But that, that's funny because we think of uh, how many of those, like, swingy blues bands you think they get, you know, probably not as many. No, no, that's, I, I'm pretty sure I know the, uh, or know of the tour that you're talking about, because there's a guy, that, the promoter that works down there, mm -hmm. and I've heard of several people going down there in mm -hmm. Brazil specifically, so. Right, but it's the same sort of thing, of them starving for, not music, but yeah, just yeah, specific kind of, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool, man. Well, uh, definitely, uh, uh, I've always in, enjoyed listening to you play, like I said, and, uh, it's it's always oh, thanks man yeah it's definitely always fun uh, for me as like kind of a solo word uh, when when I don't have to like look back there you know or yeah. the bass and drums and rhythm guitar when they have it on lockdown it's like it's so easy for us you know <laughs> you just, yeah you can just hang out and yeah and and I don't you know and fighting with you know, fighting with, uh, oh, fast, slow, uh, oh, it, it, oh, there you are, oh, no, lost you, you know. Or like, drummer can't pull the fill off yeah. his time to do. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's always really nice to play with people like yourself, because, you. Uh, you know, but, um, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely keep up the good work, and uh, thank, thanks for coming in, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Come out. This is uh, Chris Schneblin. Hey, thank you very much. Playing around Kansas City, come check him out, all sorts of places, um, but, we will be uh, back next time on Casey Music Talk with more people talking about stuff. So, uh, alrighty, we're out of here. Take it easy. <laughs>